I believe today Jesus is going to open some spiritually deaf ears in this place and online. I believe He's going to open our ears to hear, to perceive specifically what the sound of unity sounds like. Why? So that we can discern what unity does not sound like and so that we can all seek it together. That's why. Because where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Can anything stand on the way of a command of God, the Almighty? No. But when there's unity, then He commands a blessing. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Two weeks ago when I talked to you, I talked about see the light. And it was about Jesus opening blind eyes. And we spoke about how he opens physical blind eyes. And we saw a miracle at the end of our service. People who couldn't see well, they could see, praise Jesus. We spoke about spiritual blind eyes opening, religious blind eyes opening, and also the blind spots that we as Christians have sometimes in our own lives. Today, I want to speak to you about the sound of unity, the sound of unity, about how Jesus didn't only come to open blind eyes, but also deaf ears. And once again, it's not just physical, it's also spiritual and religious deaf ears. And it's one of the things that if we are deaf to the truth, that hinders unity in the body of Christ. And I believe that God wants to show us today something really powerful, that if we would obey, if we would humble ourselves and step into this, that we, as a church, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be unstoppable for the kingdom of God. Amen? So I'm going to read the scripture that I read two weeks ago again, and I want you to notice, just highlight another line from the scripture, which is Isaiah 34, 35 from verse 4. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. And we saw that. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. Now, I want you to see that Jesus, that was prophesied about Jesus. Now I want you to see how the prophecy is fulfilled in the New Testament. Matthew 11 verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The deaf hear where Jesus is. The dead are raised up and the poor have, have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. 
There's a whole sermon in that, but but we're focusing on the deaf ears today. Mark 7, verse 32. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. So he's deaf and dumb. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, personal one-on-one time with Jesus. And he put his fingers in his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. How intimate is that? Did you know that Jesus can get up in your personal space? How many of you would allow him to touch you? Most of us will, but we want to have other people do that, right? Now, Jesus is doing this. He's put his fingers in his ears and he's touched his tongue. And he look, he's looking up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, Ephata, that means be opened. Immediately, immediately, his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Amen? Matthew 13, from verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see in hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Jesus is saying this because he was teaching in parables and people did not con- comprehend what he was teaching and his disciples took him aside and said, Lord, will you explain it to us? Or they said to them, why do you explain to us but not to the people? And this was his response. I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Familiarity breeds contempt. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. When you close your eyes, you choose to close your eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. They don't want to see the truth or hear the truth. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. Many people have a guard up. I don't want to hear the truth because when I'm faced with the truth, I may have to make a decision that costs me everything. And they are right. But many people don't want to pay that price. Listen to this. Now he's speaking to his disciples. He was speaking of the people. Now he's speaking to his disciples. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Who wants to be blessed? Let your eyes see and your ears hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired, listen to this people, Jesus is telling his disciples and us today that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Why? Because it wasn't meant for their time. It was meant for the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And they are tasting it. They are seeing it. They are hearing it. Prophets were seeing that this will come. And they were almost jealous. I believe today Jesus is going to open some spiritually deaf ears in this place and online. I believe he's going to open our ears to hear, to perceive specifically what the sound of unity sounds like. Why? So that we can discern what unity does not sound like. And so that we can all seek it together. That's why. 
Because where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Can anything stand on the way of a command of God, the Almighty? No. But when there's unity, then He commands a blessing. So that, um, and I'm also trusting Him to help us all discern when there is an attack on our unity and when any of us are tempted to cause disunity. So I'm trusting Holy Spirit to bring us this discernment. What does unity sound like? What does it not sound like? When is there an attack on our unity? And when am I maybe the cause of potential disunity? So that I can stop and say, no way. Or someone can help me perceive. Sound of unity. Some definitions of sound and unity I want to share with you that's really amazing. Sound is the sensation perceived by the sense of hearing. Listen to this. It is mechanical, radiant energy that is transmitted by longitudinal pressure waves in a material medium such as air and the objective cause of hearing. A radiant energy because it works with frequency. Last year our word was frequency. This year our word is radiance. Both work with frequencies. Yo? Some of you get it. Some of you are still getting there. It's okay. Ask Holy Spirit. Help me. Unity. What is unity? Unity is the quality or state of not being multiple. Unity is the state of not being multiple. It is oneness. It is the state of being in agreement and working together. The state of being joined together to form one unit. Can you see that? So, we can say that the sound of unity in a church is the radiant energy transmitted by people in a state of oneness, of being in agreement and working together, forming one unit. Do you see that? Can you get excited about it with me? Amen. How many of you know the story of the Tower of Babel way back in the beginning? After the flood, people started rebuilding, repopulating the earth, and then it got really bad again. A bunch of people got together. They started building a tower, and they said, we will reach the heavens. They did it out of their own pride for their own glory. God saw this, and the Trinity among each other said to each other, they have one language, and they have one goal, and when, when, if this keeps going, nothing will be able to stop them. Now, that was for a bad reason. So that's why God caused confusion by changing the languages of the people so that they couldn't communicate and he broke that unity because they were unified for a selfish gain against God and he broke the unity. Imagine if the people of God were of one mind, one accord, one goal, 
we are unstoppable. Amen? I'm convinced that one of the reasons we see people come to Christ and get healed, both physically and spiritually in this church, is because we are united around the love of God and a love for one another. And I want to honor you for that and thank you for that. I praise God for that. Because it doesn't just happen. What we have here doesn't just happen. God has called and instructed us to live that way, and we have heeded that call and have been obedient. It's a precious thing that we need to guard with our lives. Would you agree? How many of you came to this church and just felt immediately the love of God? That is Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit working through us because we are united with, for one goal. Amen? But we need to guard it. So, why talk about it if we have it? Firstly, because God said I must talk about it. Secondly, because when we understand the why and the how of unity, we can better guard it, better steward it, and grow in it. Holy Spirit. All right. It's not a white dove, but it's close enough. Those who are online, there's two birds flying around in the hall. And there they go. Thank you, Jesus. All right, focus. How do we achieve and maintain the sound of unity? Through love, God's brand of love, through focus, humility, obedience, patience, and growing in the fruit of all these things. A love for God and His people, a shared focus of the vision and the mission that He's given us, humility towards God and humility towards each other, obedience to God's Word, the patience to wait for the fulfillment of God's Word and His promises, and then we will see the fruit, and the fruit will grow. Amen? What doesn't, uh, where, sorry, where does unity start? Where does unity start? The sound of unity, where is it supposed to start? Where does it have its base in myself? I need to love God. I need to humble myself before God. I need to obey God. I need to be saved and in a relationship with Him. Unity starts with each of us. Amen? Because when we are one with God, His love can flow through us, and we will have the supernatural ability to be in unity with others. Amen? Secondly, unity starts in my marriage, if you are married. If you are not one with your wife, how the heck are you going to be one with a stranger? It starts at home. One with God, one with my marriage partner in unity, then my family, my children, then my church, my community, what I'm already doing at home, in my quiet time, in my marriage, in my family, that now flows over into my relationships with those in the church, with those in my community, and my place of work. They need to also see that I'm one with God, one with my spouse, and one with my church community. What can stand in the way of unity? Quite simply, hate. 
misguided focus, pride, selfishness, a religious spirit, fear, apathy, disobedience, and bad fruit. All of these things can stand in the way of unity in our church. And all these bad things will manifest as follows. Gossip, when we speak badly about one another to each other. And let us not fall for the thing where I say, I think we just need to pray for so-and-so. And then you gossip and slander in your prayer. Yo, we're not, that, we're not those people. It manifests as gossip. It manifests as slander. It manifests as verbal abuse. It manifests as manipulation. It manifests as racism, classism, and denominationalism. That's a big word, but it exists. Because most of us here have come from some kind of denomination. How many of you in your life have experienced the, the hate and the fear and the discrimination that comes from someone else being in another denomination than you, and, and you feel that? Anyone? Anyone felt that before? These are all things that divide and don't bring together. Now, we're going to see how this is demonstrated in Scripture. And I, I want to show you a beautiful thing today. So just keep staying in that place where we focus on Jesus and His Word. Amen? Are you ready? Cool. John 13, verse 34. Jesus is speaking to His disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 17, verse 20. I do, this is Jesus praying to the Father. It's a beautiful prayer. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. We believe because his disciples carried the word out and evangelized the world. And today we know. So we are part of this. Jesus is saying that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Sure. The glory you've given me, I've given them. Oh. That they may be one. The purpose of his glory is that we will be one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I'm gonna come back to all these scriptures. I'm first gonna read them all and then we're gonna go through them. Acts 2 verse one, this is so beautiful. You know this well, but listen to it with fresh ears this morning. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, with a bit more excitement, suddenly, moi, there came a sound from heaven as of a ru rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven who came from Babel. Every nation was split that day into their languages and their cultures. And millennia later, there are different nations of people gathering in Jerusalem. And when this sound occurred, the multitudes came together. Do you see these words? And were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And then we know it goes on. Peter preaches and they come to Christ. Then the first church is born. We drop down to verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Remember what a fellowship is? It's a ship with two fellows going somewhere together. In the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Who wants to see many signs and wonders? Let us unite. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Sure. Similar thing we read in Acts 4 verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed, by now we have a multitude. The 3,000 has grown. They were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was given upon them, was upon them all. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I love this chapter. I've read it many times in our church. I want you to see how powerful this is and how it fits into this message. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. In what? Love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He's speaking to everyone to keep this unity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Woo! Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, the fivefold ministry, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until, why is the fivefold there? 
to equip the saints of ministry till when? Until we all come to the unity. Can we say unity? Of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yo, that is what we are called to. It's a much higher calling than we realize. That we should no longer be children. What do children do? They act selfishly, pridefully. Mine, mine, mine. Leave it alone. I, d I don't like you. Don't take my food. Don't touch me on my studio. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful, deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body, we are all parts of a body. Listen to this. Joined, knit together by what? Every joint supplies. You are a joint and you supply something according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Can we give God a praise offering for His words? Come on. There are many other scriptures like this where we are called to be one, to be united, to be of one mind, to bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another, submit to one another. If I read them all, we will be here for a very long time. And many scriptures that tell us what unity does not look like. And it says, do not do the following. Do not lie. Do not gossip, do not steal, do not manipulate, do not fornicate, do not commit adultery, do not hate, and more and more of what we do not do, everything that breaks down unity. And Jesus teaches that we cannot come to him and pray if we have something against a brother, and if a brother has something against us. And straight after the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, if you do not forgive another, I, the, fa the Father, cannot forgive you. Yo. So we know what to do, and we know what not to do. But the question is, will we do what the Word says? And if we do, are we doing it out of a Holy Spirit conviction or out of an obligation? of a religious spirit. You see, behavior modification will only last as long as you are physically possible to keep it up. But a Holy Spirit conviction will last for eternity as long as you stay close to Jesus. How is it possible to achieve this unity that seems impossible in human terms? It is not natural to be this way. It would take something above or beyond the natural to achieve this, right? Would you agree? One could even say it would take something super natural. Amen? In John, we read how Jesus gave a new command. A new command. He's not, you can read it in any translation. He's very clear. I give you a new command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an, hey, if you feel like it, you can try. It's a command from a king of a kingdom. 
How many of you know the kingdom of God is a kingdom and not a democracy? You don't vote for Jesus and then vote him out when you don't like what he's doing. <laughs> when he commands, we obey out of love for him. It is the son of the living God using specific words, a new command I give you. We need to take heed. We need to sit up and pay attention. Remember why we pay attention, because it costs us something. Be careful what you pay attention to and be careful to pay attention when it matters. Where's your attention going? What are you paying? What are you willing to sacrifice? Jesus instructs them to love one another as he loves them and that their love for one another will be a testimony to the world that they are his disciples. He lays down a new law and then he attaches a standard to that law. Can you see that? Can anyone see that? All right, just nod. Tell your face that you say yes, please. And he attaches a standard to it. Love one another like I love you. How did Jesus love? Well, at that point, it, this is before his crucifixion. So they haven't perceived his death, burial, and resurrection love. But what they have seen was him healing, preaching, and helping. Do you agree? That's the love that they saw and they experienced his love. He says, love one another as I love you. But he would go on to display his ultimate brand of love, the unconditional sacrificial serving kind that was displayed on the cross at Calvary. Amen? And this command and the standard that goes with it applies to us all as well. When the world looks at the people from Love Key Church, do they see people who genuinely and authentically love one another to the standard of Jesus' love and then come to the conclusion they must be following Jesus? Must I ask that question again? Was it too long? When the world looks at us, do they come to the conclusion that they must be disciples of Jesus Christ because they see an authentic love for one another? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. I believe that we are doing well in this front. And we've heard testimonies to that effect. But I think we'll all agree that we have a ways to go to truly love on the level of Jesus, right? I think there's always more. There's always better because Jesus' love is infinite. Are we in agreement? Wait, okay, some of you think love has a ceiling. Love, God's kind of love does not have a ceiling. Some of you think I'll choose who I love. No. You love all. Ooh, I'm sensing, okay, we're gonna keep going. This that we already have, we need to guard because it's precious and we need to choose to constantly grow. Each of you, we, we saw, is a part, a joint, knit together. And the growth is dependent on each part doing their part. Can you see that? 
All right, that is why we don't come to church to consume. We come to church to be part of what God is doing. And that means sacrificing, giving, laying down. But I've got good news for you. If you are really born again, you are dead to self already. So it's, it's not that hard. Some of you are going like, this is so hard. No, it's not. You're already dead. And if you're not dead already, then you know, come to the front at the end. We'll make sure you die to self and come alive in Christ because that's what he does. He kills the selfish and the pride and he brings his Holy Spirit into your life. <laughs> All right. After what we saw there, Jesus' command, we read, we read the beautiful um, prayer that Jesus prays to the Father in John 17. I want to encourage you to go home this week and read chapter 17 of the book of John. It will change your life. Don't just read it. Meditate on it. Repeat it. Read it again. When you see the love of Jesus for you, it will change your life. Because he, pray, he prays so earnestly to the Father. It is powerful and such a blessing to hear what he has for us. But in this piece I read, we see how strongly Jesus values unity and oneness among his disciples. He deeply values unity. He asks the Father in heaven to do a miracle, to do something above what is natural, and that is that his disciples and those who will follow them will be as one as he and Jesus the Father are one. Can you imagine, I don't know if we can fathom this, but can you imagine just for a moment the kind of intimate unity that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father have? Jesus now prays that we as the church will be in the same unit, the same kind of unity, the same kind of intimate unity as He and the Father are. And then He says that it's all kind of together, us and Him and Him and in us, him and us, and him and the Father. Can you, this is this beautiful language of, of unity and wholeness. Did you see that? Some of you can just smile. Yes, I see that. It's beautiful. That's a perfect and beautiful intimate, and that's the unity Jesus desires for each and every one of us. He desires that for you. And look what he says twice. He says this twice. Let them be one as you and I are one so that the world may know that you sent me. What? Let them be one as you and I are one so that the world will know that you sent me. What happens when Christians dwell in authentic unity? When they dwell in a community of harmony? The world can only come to one conclusion. Jesus is real. And he has come. In other words, real unity in the church is one of our greatest evangelical tools. Can you see that? When we dwell in true unity, people will only come to one conclusion. Wow, Jesus is real. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. If they see we preach one thing, we read one thing in the Bible and live another, they will go, this Jesus can't be real. It's one of the biggest reasons that we don't see more people come to Christ on a more regular basis. There are over 54,000 denominations of Christian churches in the world. It comes from six main 
groups of churches that have underneath them thousands of splits and different variations. Now, on the one hand, we can see from the Bible that this is supposed to be like that because we are a body with different parts, okay? But unfortunately, many of these parts do not, are not united around the same truth. And even within small towns and cities and areas, churches and leaders of churches cannot sit around the same table and agree about the main things about the kingdom of God. Let us love not just our brothers and sisters in this local church, but all of our brothers and sisters in the church of Christ, capital C. Amen? Now, then we looked at Acts 2. We see that they were all together in one accord after waiting in that room for a long time. Why were they in that room together? Because Jesus said so. They humbled themselves and they obeyed and they gathered and they had one thing in common. We are waiting on the Lord. And what happened when they were positioned like this? When they had this posture, what happened? Suddenly, suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes. And it's, it's a, it's, He comes with a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, many movies and series about this moment shows an actual wind blowing. And yes, we know from the Word that the Holy Spirit is Ruach HaKadosh, the breath of God. But in this moment, it's not necessarily so that there was an actual physical wind because the Word doesn't say that. It says it was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And the thing that brought the multitudes was the sound. The sound of the Holy Spirit coming upon His people. Woo. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And they were all baptized in the Spirit and that was the fruit of their unity. And that sound attracted the pilgrims and they came and they came to Christ and they became part of the believers. And then we see this amazing harmony and a unity energized and driven by the Spirit of God. And this is confirmed by Paul in Ephesians 4 when he, keeps on, when he says that we must keep the unity of the Spirit of the bond of peace. It is the Holy Spirit that brings this bond this unity. He, it was there at the start when the, when the day of Pentecost came, and it still is the same. The Holy Spirit is what binds us together. And it makes sense when you think about it. Remember, when we are born again, we become new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, and our bodies become what? Temples of what? The Holy Spirit. You host the Holy Ghost when you are born again. The Holy Spirit of the living God. Just take a moment and just, just try to wrap your head and your spirit around this. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the living God resides in you if you are truly born again. How amazing is that? In the Old Testament, they had to build a temple, build a tent, move the tent when necessary. Could only go in there once a year. 
to, to do atonement for the whole, for the whole uh, nation. We, through Jesus Christ, have access. And the Holy Spirit chooses to reside in these vessels, broken with issues and a past. But He makes us new from the inside. Amen? And when you are baptized in water, because you have come to Christ, and and when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, then His power and fire starts manifesting in and through your life. Because that's what Jesus promised. You see, some of you struggle with that. Because you don't really believe what the Word of God says. I feel God is saying to me right now, there's someone here that goes, the Bible is a fairy tale. I don't know if that's someone in here or online. But there's someone who goes, eh, not all of it's true and it's a fairy tale. If that's you, I want to challenge you today. There is more. If you need, if you need physical proof and historical proof, there's more archaeological, historical, and physical proof that the Word of God is the Word of God than there are about the philosophers of Greece. That there are for books like Ulysses and all these other books that are classics in, in literature. And not by a little, by a lot. If that doesn't convince you, I want you to do something. Read the word, put God to the test. Read the word, do it his way, and see. You won't know until you try it. It's not a fairy tale. It is the most true piece of scripture you can read in the world. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, just close your eyes, close your eyes right now, and imagine what it must look like in the spiritual realm when tens and hundreds and thousands of born-again, Holy Spirit-filled followers of Jesus come together, all their temples, their bodies, are filled with the might, the glory, the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to see that. Holy Spirit, show them. Now, knowing that there's just one Holy Spirit, we don't all get a Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit. But He he resides in all true believers, right? So I want you to see this picture. The Holy Spirit in you must in some way connect and communicate with the Holy Spirit in me because he is one. You can open your eyes. In a song that I wrote called It's Time that was just a download from heaven, glory to God, there's a line that says, the Spirit of the Lord weaves a strong unbroken cord. The Spirit of the Lord weaves a strong, unbroken cord. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Could you see in that picture that when individually we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we come together, there's something very special that has to happen as the Holy Spirit in you connects with the Holy Spirit in me. Can you see that? Can you get excited about that? Just a tad. All right. Ooh, Jesus helped me to show them. All right. So when we come together and we choose 
when we come together and we choose not to let anything stand in the way of the Holy Spirit operating freely through me and you do the same, then there is unfettered access for Him to move in our midst. What will limit Him? The things on the bad list that I read earlier, hatred, fear, misguided focus, apathy, selfishness, pride, those things will stand in the way. So what do we need to do? When we come to church, well, when we wake up in the morning, check in with with the Holy Spirit. Humble yourself, pick up your cross, and choose to walk with Jesus that day. So that by the time you come here, you're in tune. If you are struggling with something, reach out to a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I've got some stuff I'm, I'm tempted by. I'm, th- I'm having bad thoughts about this person. I'm struggling. Please pray with me. And what causes us not to limit the Holy Spirit? When we truly love God and love people, when we focus on His agenda, when we are humble before God and each other, when we obey the Word of God, and when we are patient with Him and with each other, and when that is there, we will, see the Holy, the, we will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifest in our midst. What are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Would you like to see those fruits, that fruit in your life? Would you like to experience it in this place? It comes from the Holy Spirit when we are completely surrendered. But I've got good news for you. Like they say on the adverts, that's not all. If you pray now, That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are different, but great, and come from the Holy Spirit. What are they? It is, oh, okay, before I say that, sorry. Another fruit is the actual, um, sorry, Another fruit of the Holy Spirit is the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. And that, when we come together, we create this sound of unity. And in that sound, we will start seeing miracles. We will start seeing breakthrough. We'll see freedom from addiction. We'll see people getting healed. We'll see words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, and the fivefold gifting we just read in Ephesians 4. And our God says that He will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think or imagine. That can happen. If we don't let things hinder the Holy Spirit and if we actively choose to activate the flow of the Holy Spirit to create the sound of unity, amen? The Holy Spirit and His fruit and His gifts will operate at its optimum when we are in authentic unity marked by a real love for one another in one accord, one mind, one heart, focused on obeying our Lord and, G- Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is our head, who is our king. It will manifest. Do you believe that? Does more than one believe that? Okay, hallelujah. I want you to know, there's a difference between just attending church and going through the motions and having life changing experiences in the manifest glory of our God. And it lies, the difference lies in the attitude with which you come to these gatherings. It's always available. God is always ready to speak. His word says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. 
And there is something that we need to choose to do, and that is to draw near to Him. When we are united in living in unity by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, nothing can hold us back from seeing and experiencing the sound of unity, which will be deeper devotion to God and more awesome demonstrations of His power in our midst. Who wants to see God move in this place? Who wants to see God move in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace? It starts with us being one with Him, one with each other. It takes sacrifice. It takes laying down selfish desires. How many of you want this? Do you want it? Repent and lay down if you harbor any hate, pride, apathy, or a religious spirit. Lay down racist sentiments that you may still have. Lay down classist attitudes toward people that might be poorer than you or people that might be richer than you. Lay down any feelings you still have about denominations. Lay down any unforgiveness that you have towards people that have hurt you in the past. I'm going to ask again, do you want this unity, the sound of unity? Love God, love people. Do you want the sound of unity? Focus on God and His plan and vision for this church. Do you want the sound of unity? Humble yourself before God and your fellow believers. Do you want it? Obey God and His word and submit to the leaders He has put over you. Do you want it? Be patient in the process and keep doing the previous points, even if you get weary of waiting. And then we will see the fruits of of, of the Holy Spirit manifest at our Sunday gatherings, in our connect gatherings, and wherever we spend time together. We will see it. The sound of our unity can and will change the world around us. Helderberg for Jesus starts with us, each and every one of us, and every other life-giving church in this area. It fits in so perfectly with our series of radiance. Because when we are truly one in Christ, we will radiate heaven on earth. The Trinity is one. They reside in heaven. It is their unity because we are created in the image and likeness of God. It is their unity that we need to reflect in this earth. And that sound that will emanate from us will attract the multitudes and they will come to Christ because they will sense and experience and encounter the love of God. They will see the power of God manifest in their lives. They will see the impossible become possible. And they will say, where do I sign up for this kingdom? And we will say, right here, right now. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.